Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. What's up, everybody? Welcome to The Stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And on The Stack, we usually talk about a couple of comic books that have come out this week. However, big news that you probably already know, comics aren't really coming out at all. Uh, Diamond has shut down. Comic books are not being shipped to comic book shops out of safety, of course. Uh, And to support the comic book shops at this time, the major comic book companies have decided to mostly not release titles digitally as well. Uh, There are some exceptions this week. There are some exceptions for big print volumes like art books um, that are going to go to bookstores anyway. Uh, But for the most part, the comic book industry is shut down, at least for the next couple of weeks. Obviously, they're going to be evaluating it week by week. Um, You okay, Pete? You doing all right? No, man. This is a crazy time, man. I mean, no comics. No comics? It is weird. There is almost a century of billions of comics that existed before that. But it's too bad. There are. Uh, Don't be an asshole, man. This is fucking (laughs) crazy. On Pete's side, it is. It's a weird time. But I got to say, like, it makes sense. You got to support the shops. You can't release the comics digitally. And taking a pause, it's a great time to brush up on continuity. On the old comics from the past, you're like, wait, why is the Flash that way? Or like, (laughs) what is the deal with Uncle Ben? Is he really dead? Yeah, sometimes not. What about Peter Parker's parents? Are they still robots? Let's find out. Are they super spies who happen to maybe be alive secretly? Let's find out. Well, I will say, uh, so the push is called uh, New to You Comic Book Day. People are saying, hey, if there's no new comics coming out, there's stuff that's new to you. So definitely check that out. That's kind of what we're doing here on The Stack. We're going to talk about three issues that are coming out this week uh, and review them. And then we're going to do a throwback stack where we talk about a couple of our favorite books from back of the day. But let's kick it off with a new one. Archie Comics is actually releasing two new titles because they were already in comic book shops. So it's not going to hurt them at all. Uh, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, Something Wicked, number one. Story by Kelly Thompson, art by Veronica Fish and Andy Fish. This is picking up on the first Sabrina, not even a miniseries, because it's basically a continuation of the series, um, where you know Sabrina. You know the Teenage Witch. Sure. She does witch stuff. She does witch Mm -hmm. stuff. Uh, And she's she's not in her 20s. Can't drink, can't rent a car, and that's the plot of the book. Uh, I like this a lot. Yeah. I, I think this is fun. Like like the Riverdale books and the current Archie comic books. I think they've done a really good job of channeling the stuff that's on TV, but still making it all ages and accessible as Archie comics are wont to do. I like it quite a bit. What do you think about it, guys? Well, I mean, it's a little sad because Sabrina is not with Archie in this comic, and I kind of like that. Um, uh, so that part made me sad. Um, but yeah, I mean, this is the art's really great. Some, uh, it's a fun adventure. 
you know, I've, uh, I, I know how Sabrina feels. She's tired. She's overworked. She's exhausted. You know, uh, you know, I can only imagine how you guys are holding it together with a house full of kids as well as the work that you've got to do. So I'm sure you can relate to this. Uh, yeah, my talking yeah, cat basically won't same thing. Alone. Yeah, staying up what? late doing spells, hassled by cats. What mm-hmm. a nightmare! Um, I like this a lot too. I uh, it feels like a nice uh, mid form between the uh, the Netflix show and the comic book Sabrina, without getting into the whole Archie side of it. So uh, yeah, I think it's really fun. Definitely going to keep picking it up. It's also interesting because it's not the dark take from the other Sabrina mm-hmm. series that Roberto Guerra was doing um, yep. that he based the series on a lot. But it's tough because this comic clearly hates people who like salmon crackers, you know? Oh, because at the beginning, the lady with the salmon crackers gets killed? Yeah. I've I'm never heard of, of salmon crackers. Way, salmon, salmon crackers are for um, pets. You shouldn't be eating those, Pete. Yeah. Are you eating salmon crackers, Pete? Yeah. It's salmon and crackers together. No, Finally. no, no. Yeah. No, it's, it's crackers that are mostly salmon for cats. Uh, Pete, are you having a fancy feast? <laughs> I am. It comes with a little way, tin. Pete, you get to open it up. I mean, what's fancier than food out of a tin? You're right. Nothing fancier. By the way, Pete, you need to change your litter box. It's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> it's disgusting, this, dude. So this book is very good. Definitely pick it up. Here's another book, uh, Batman, The Adventures Continue, number one, from DC Comics, written by Alan Burnett and Paul Dini, art by Ty Templeton. This is a continuation of Batman, the animated series. It was a digital series anyway. First issue comes out this week. Second issue comes out April 15th. So, hey, no delay there. You're getting all that you paid for. Um, You're our resident Batman, the animated series expert. Justin, how did this strike you? I think it's great. It really feels they captured the feel uh, perfectly. The... um, Alfred being there, especially in current DC continuity, oh. Alfred is um, dead. Oh. We're un, we've been unbuttled oh. in regular DC continuity. So that was DC confusing continuity. to me. Is he a ghost here, or is this something that Batman is imagining? Because Alfred was murdered. This is the animated series. This is right, but Alfred's different. dead for real. So I don't know how he's in this comic book. Oh my god, that's true. Got to be an imaginary butler. And keep in mind, you and even you guys can have as many imaginary butlers as you want. I have oh, five thanks, waiting buddy. on me right now. Yes. Uh, Another salmon cracker for you, Mr. LePage, <laughs> says the imaginary button. Uh, I really... Um, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, Justin. I thought you were done. I apologize. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I said I, I think it's just great, and um, it both the art and the writing, it really truly feels like an extension of the animated series. Yeah, that's what I really loved about it. It really feels like it's just coming alive from the animated series and I'm doing the voices in my head. I don't know about you guys, but I'm doing the Kevin Conroy's voice. I I was too, which was very weird to me. Like I did not expect to be doing that, but the way that the dialogue happens, even if it's what it's him being like, stop, it just, you hear it in Kevin Conroy's voice with his rhythms, which is so great. But at the same note, there's a thing where uh, Lex Luthor shows up at this issue. He's at least the villain right yeah. now because the story mm-hmm. is Superman seems to be missing. Um, Batman is in his Bruce Wayne identity. He's chatting with Lex Luthor and he smiles about something. And I don't <laughs> know the last time that I've seen Batman smile, but that it's, it's probably the animated series, which I, yeah. I, I thought was great. Um, yeah. yeah. 
I will right. say that the one weird thing was the use of Superman and Lex Luthor here. I was surprised that it went there when I was I was like, oh, that's not the normal original animated series style. Yeah. No, I they, wa- well, I wonder Batman. if it's more of like a continuation of Justice League Unlimited or uh, yeah. Superman, the animated series, that whole world in a certain way. Yeah, yeah. That's when it kind of like they crossed over a little bit. That was fun because Batman dated Lois Lane for a little bit. And that was funny. Why was it funny? Wow. Because uh, Lois Lane, obviously, and Superman, are, they belong together. I'm sure, obviously. It's, how, it's like how Pete dated your wife for a while and how funny that was. <laughs> that yeah, was, remember that? That was, was real funny. fucking funny. Thanks a lot, Pete. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny. Who, Superman thinks it's funny, too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, last new one from Archie Comics, Cosmo the Mighty Martian number 5, a story by Ian Flynn, art by Tracy Yardley. I will mention my son loves these books. He loves these Cosmo books. And I think, yeah. like, they're about an intergalactic adventurer, a bunch of aliens team up with a human guy who gets roped into their adventures. Um, it's very all ages, very fun. The art style is very simple. Uh, but I think, like, the action is a step above what you might expect. Like, it's not just leading into the joke. There are good action sequences, a good plot, and emotion throughout. Um, if you are looking for a rollicking all-ages space adventure, at the very least, it's working for my son. It feels uh, like yeah, Mega think, Man. Mega Man meets Power Rangers. Uh, I think that's in a lot fair. of ways. Yeah, yeah, a little Voltron thrown in there. I think uh, this is yeah. This is just a fun comic. Uh, you know, it's it's a great all ages. I I enjoyed it very much. Uh, I even liked. Uh, I got a little shot out there. The uh, after the character was defeated, did a, a little Wahabi, and it was great. I was I was super excited. They took it about right that. from you. Do you get yeah. residuals from that or what happens, Pete? Every time. Yeah. Nice. I Let's... throw a nickel I throw a nickel out my window every time I say it. <laughs> oh, I get it. Don't uh, you worry about it. You live outside of his window, right? That's right. Maybe. He's right there. He yeah. catches it in his mouth like a little kitty cat. Oh man. <laughs> Real alley cat right there. And now it is time for our throwback stack. As a reminder, Ooh-hoo. we each picked a book that we were excited about, one of our favorite individual issues of all time that we are talking about. I'm very curious to hear about Pete's issue and why he picked this yes, one. Me this was too. a big surprise to me. Uh, Batwoman number four from DC Comics, written by W. A. Hayden Blackman and J.H. Williams III, art by J.H. Williams III. Uh, this is not the original run of Batwoman. This is the second run of Batwoman when J.H. Williams III yes. kind of took over. Um, why, why this book, Pete? Why this okay, issue so in particular? A couple things. Uh, the reason I like this book is this is the new 52. It was kind of, uh, well, what I really appreciated was, um, it's, a different look. This is uh, Batwoman in a way that I've never kind of, there was Batgirl before this, but this is kind of like a new kind of take on Batwoman, which I really appreciated. And just the paneling and the artistic nature and the storytelling was so different and so creative. Uh, and like every time I look at this comic, I kind of appreciate something else. The, the story is a little brutal, but it's also kind of like, I like the realism, like, oh, you're going to fucking put on a mask and think you're a badass? Like, you could fucking die. You could get a hook to the stomach. Wow. So, like, I I really appreciate this book, and it's one of those ones that I go back to because of 
the paneling and the storytelling and the uh, the mixture of art. You have black and white. You have color. You have all these different, like, characters have different shading. Everything is kind of looked at and nothing is just kind of taken for granted. And I just think that it's, like, it's awesome. And it was one of those things where, like, we were talking about Batwoman for a while after this. Like, the the the, create, the team on this, the artist and the writer, like, really shook the industry with this book. And it, it was really impressive. So, a couple of thoughts here. First of all, yes, this <laughs> issue, well, this issue is great. Uh, and once I read it, I was like, oh, right, this is the issue where she doesn't die, but you think for a while Flamebird is dying. And Flamebird, as you mentioned, is not exactly Batwoman's sidekick. She kind of wants to be Batwoman's sidekick. Yeah. And ultimately, she takes on more that she can choose. She tries to take on Batwoman's villains by her own and gets stabbed through the gut, almost dies. Maggie Sawyer, who is Kate Kane's ex-girlfriend, ends up using her to get information on Flamebird, on Batwoman, on everything that's going on. Um, and there is some great stuff in there. There's also the whole beginning sequence is phenomenal. And so as you were good. mentioning, laid out by J.H. Wells III, as we get to see a sex scene between, I think it's Maggie and Kate, right? Yes, and I was very surprised that Pete chose that because usually yeah. doesn't like sex comics, sex in comics. It's also just to 100% check about something because I know you are talking about the, up this Batwoman run. It was originally Greg Rucka at J.H. Williams III. Yes. Were you thinking of the original Batwoman number four, or was it actually this Batwoman number four from the New 52? I, I did go back and look at Greg Rucka's, but like the, to me in this issue, the paneling is, uh, is, is so much better. I think they kind of took uh, – I, I, just, I just kind of fell in love with what – Okay. The way this issue was set up and the different use of colors and storytelling. Like there's for that sex scene, there's like these jagged lines underneath it and completely changes yes. art for the rest of the page. I, I just, jagged cr- sex. I just the, <laughs> my favorite the kind. storytelling within the paneling just kind of blows my mind. Like it uh, reminds me a little bit of like how in the old school fables had these like things going on within the panels. I just, uh, yeah, I mean, the Greg Rucker, obviously amazing, but just to me, like the fact that uh, the way this kind of uh, comic stands out to me as a single issue with the paneling and the art and the different art styles, because a lot of times when you have different art styles, it feels like different comics, but the way it flows is really impressive. Uh, yeah. Go ahead, Yeah, Justin. I mean, I... I was just going to say, sort of echo all that. Like, I I love the Greg Rucker run. I think this run um, uh, is really good, too. Um, it definitely, the J.H. Williams stuff was such a revelation in that first run, and here it just yeah. continues to be great. Um, and, uh, and, yeah, I thought, like, I agree with all of uh, what you said. There you go. It was just, uh, honestly, like, I was just surprised by that pick of all the things that we could have gotten from you. But uh, it is a very good issue, so thanks for yeah, picking it. Yeah, it's just it. one of those things like, where I was going back through uh, my Comixology app and kind of going back through all the kind of stuff, which is, it's crazy to me, like, when I go back through the comics, like, it's really a timeline of, like, different things and, like, how you felt at the time of reading them. And it's kind of like a timeline of your own life of what was going on during these comics. And, like, to me, it just kind of really stuck out 
there was a, duff, a duff bunch of different stuff that I was thinking about picking, but I chose this just because of the art and the storytelling. Um, it just it, sometimes it, it doesn't work in comics when you kind of make such big swings and try stuff, things that like really blow up the panel pages and, and the different art uh, things you can do. Uh, I just think it works. All right. Very cool. Uh, let's move on. This is uh, my pick. Spider-Man Human Torch, number three from Marvel Comics, written by Dan Slott and pencils by Ty Templeton, who also did Batman The Adventures Continue. Very different style here, which was kind of cool and surprising yeah. to see. Uh, this is one that I know I've talked about a million times on the yeah, show. Yeah, I knew this was going to be well, your pick honestly, before you like, said I haven't read this book uh, probably in a decade at this point, so I was kind of excited to see if it hit me in the same way as it did when I first read it, because this is one of Dan Slott's early books for Marvel when he was, I mean, he's still putting it all on the page, but that was definitely like at the beginning of his career with something like this. He was like, this is my thesis statement on what I think about all these characters every single time out of the gate. Uh, and Spider-Man human torch, if you didn't read it was a mini series. Each issue was, uh, I think it was a different decade. At the very least, it was a different uh, seminal point in one of their lives or both of their lives. Uh, so it would jump through that and jump through different art styles and different concepts. This is the third issue. It takes place just after Gwen Stacy has died. She's died a couple oh. of months earlier. It also times out that Johnny Storm was dating Crystal of the Inhumans. They had just broken up because of the pollution. She had gone to the mood. So he has his heartache over that. Yeah. And in between all of this heartache that both of them are dealing with, and they're both friends, the title manages to work in also the time when Spider-Man had the Spider-Mobile. They get attacked by the Red Ghost and his apes, which are some of the most ludicrous villains that Marvel has. Wild. And spoiler, the way that they stop them is with Hostess Fruit Pies. Of course and you love that. Just the amount of things that they manage to do in this comic book that actually are fun to read, make logical sense at the same time, and are executed on well, but also actually tie back to the emotion of Johnny Storm and Peter Parker really trying to get past these hurts in their lives is so smart. Uh, I think I like, I was not emotionally affected in quite the same way as I was when I first read the book, but at the same time, I just appreciated Ty Templeton's art, the way that it feels so of that era, the way that Dan Slott perfectly captures the writing style of the era and the voices of the characters and the way the whole thing is structured. It's so packed. It's such a good, meaty package of a comic book that there's a lot of books that we read on a weekly basis, I guess, when comics were coming out, where you read the book and it's like, well, five minutes and I'm done. There's not a lot hmm. of dialogue here. Here, there's a ton of stuff going on. It feels worth it. And it makes you laugh and it makes you feel. How, how did you guys think about that? What did you think about this book? I'm curious. Yeah, I mean, I f agree with you. Like the amount he packs in here, and the like emotional roller coaster that we go on for this book is wild. Like the moment, it's like super fun and funny throughout. Um, there's all this sort of like um, I'm flirting. Uh, both Peter Parker and and Johnny Storm are very like horny in this episode in this comic book, which I yeah. thought was thirsty. sort of they're different. Thirsty. Yeah, they're out there. Oh, thanks. Um, Sorry. But there's uh, a great Pete moment where. Uh, Pete is a youth, so th thanks for specifying. Yes, of the course. I, Pete. 
They're thirsty. Good. Pete gets it. Internet, internet, Pete. Um, but there's a moment where they're talking and Spider-Man's like, yeah, my girlfriend died. And it's just such a like arresting moment in the middle of this sort of romp of a comic. And it's totally earned. And I, I feel like this is comic is what really put Dan Slott on the map for Marvel. Yeah. What'd you think about it, Pete? Well, I, I really appreciated the art kind of style change from the beginning to the kind of meat of the comic. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, Dan Slott uh, is a great writer and like, you know, he I like how he leans on humor for Spider-Man. I mean, that's super important. Um, you know, it's tough because, you know, I'm more of an MJ than Gwen Stacy. So that kind of pulls me out of the comic. And, you know, I even mean, if she's dead, you're just like that death's <laughs> boring. It doesn't. It doesn't affect. Me, is this? You know? I, I have an honest question. Wow. Are you are you filtering this through what you know about Dan Slott's work now, specifically Superior Spider Man? No, no. Um, but sure. <laughs> I just think that unbelievable. That's uh, felt a little disingenuous. No, I just think that <laughs> this is a fun Dan Slott book, and I agree. Like this, really. We talked about this when this came out. Uh, a bunch and and uh, Alex refers back to this comic a lot. Like it, it is one of those zeitgeist books, those bookmark books that are kind of like uh, uh, super important and say a lot about who the characters are. I just for me, it doesn't uh, it doesn't kind of ring as true to you guys as it does. It's just like you know, I mean, the douchey part where they're hitting on the person. It turns out to be you know whatever. Uh, and do I think that you know these evil monkeys would stop for fruit pies. I don't know. I mean, I would. <laughs> I definitely would. But I mean, wow. I, I, I Crazy just think take it's... <laughs> from Pete LePage. Those monkeys wouldn't stop for those pies. I know monkeys. Yeah. Uh, I just think that, like, I you know. I buy that they talk, but would they stop for fruit pies? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Uh, I just, uh, you know, it's it's fun. I mean, he's doing donuts on the side of J. Jonah Jameson's building. That's fun. It's a fun book. Very fun. Uh, you know, the art and the paneling is great. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's a good book. I don't, you know, I don't know what you want. It's the good book. It's the Bible. Last one we're going to talk about. This was Justin's (laughs) pick. Green Lantern, Sinestro Corps, special number one from DC Comics, written by Jeff Johns, art by Dave Givens and Ethan Van Sciver. Uh, we'll mention Ethan Van Sciver does the first two pages. Obviously, he's become a problematic figure in the comic book industry. Yeah, not in into him years. in general. So let's not spend too much time on that, particularly because the bulk of the book is amazing, ludicrously amazing yes. Dave Givens art that is so good throughout. Justin, talk about this book. So I, I chose this book because it's it's right smack dab in the middle of Jeff Johns like stunting on uh, like the Green Lantern mythology, like just generating so much, so many new ideas, all rooted in like truly terrifying uh, ideas and in emotional beats for each all of the characters that he just uses, twists and makes resonate with the larger story he's telling. So in the book, um there's a lot going on. Uh, Sinestro basically creates the um, the Yellow Lantern core here based on fear. Um, and through through yoga and meditation, he creates it. 
Exactly. The best way to fi- uh, find fear is by doing yoga. And uh, we, there's a, just a barrage of rings across the universe. Kyle Rayner struggling with um, his mother's death, which seems like a small detail that they're just mentioning. But then as the issue goes on, uh, Kyle, who at this point in the continuity was Ion, sort of the torchbearer for the Green Lantern Corps and had all this extra power, uh, Sinestro lures him or like teleports him to where he is and um, just takes just totally destroys him as a character to make him parallax you get big reveals with all these characters that um that sinestro is gathering to be in his core and it just sets up so much of the next couple next year at least of green lantern continuity and it feels like they're gonna how could they win at this moment at the end of this issue it feels like this the odds are so stacked against them it's just a great epic story with real emotional beats underneath. I totally agree with you, Justin. And even reading it again now, I was still struck in the same way, particularly by, I mean, this is not a spoiler now, but like that last page reveal of the anti-monitor at the end where you already know, like, they've established all these villains. Kyle has been taken over by Parallax, as you mentioned, destroyed. There's the Sinestro Corps that has murdered hundreds of Green Lanterns, and then you pull up on this double-page splash of the Anti-Monitor, who has been gone for decades, suddenly back, backed up by Hank Henshaw, the cyborg Superman, Superboy Prime, the biggest dick in the DC universe, (laughs) and you also got Parallax, and you got the Mad Hunters are walking around in the background. And And Sinestro. And Sinestro, of course, and it's just this insane, holy shit moment of exactly what you're saying of like, this is as bad as it can get. But the other thing that I want to mention that I was really struck reading through this now is the economy of storytelling that Jeff Johns puts in the issue that we know who these characters are, but he takes his time in a very fluid way to introduce every important character to the story and have those moments pay off, like Kyle Rayner, like Guy Gardner, you get to see Jon Stewart, you get to see Hal Jordan, all of the different Green Lanterns, but also like he slips Superboy Prime in there, he slips what's going on with the Cyborg Superman and the Guardians and every other character in the book, but it works as a one-shot story where you get to meet all these things while setting up this insane event. And I think the other thing to mention, and then sorry, I'll let you talk is that the, that at this point, it isn't that Green Lanterns was a joke, but like, it was not the same thing. Like this was the beginning of building up that emotional spectrum thing that completely redefined and took over the Green Lantern for up until recently, I think at this point. And it's so impressive to see it begin. Okay. Uh, the other, the other thing. One, one real quick thing before we go. Before like, you shit on it, Pete, Justin, go ahead. Before, yeah, let's let me get the fun stuff, the positive stuff out of the way. This book literally, it's about Sinestro generating fear in the Green Lantern universe, but this book literally generates fear in the reader as well. Like, and that's what I think is so. It's such a great trap of a comic book. The trap is sprung on us, the reader, where. You're just like, oh, Sinestro, he has an evil plan. Who knows what this is? By the end of it, you're like, oh, my God, I'm scared for these characters. They are clueless. They have no idea what's happening. And we are we get to see the odds stacked against them. Like he does what the the book and the Sinestro are doing the same thing at the same time. And that's very smart. Yeah, I agree with you. I was scared. I was scared that this book was going to go on forever because it fucking is long as shit. 
Um, all right. So first Mr. off, Mr. Time on his hands over here. Okay. Yeah, uh, first gotta get off, back to eat my cat food. <laughs> first off, it starts off with evil yoga. All right. What? I don't. Cool. Way to yoga it up and create a different color. Uh, then it goes into. Um, okay. Yeah. There we got Zoom. Uh, Batman gets punched in the face. Highly unlikely. Superman gets taken out by this guy, Wonder Woman, <laughs> and then Green Lantern throws imaginary chains and stops him. I'm out. I'm done. That's not that. I don't believe that at all. Superman, Wonder Woman, and Batman can't contain Zoom, but imaginary chains stop this guy. Okay. <laughs> Cool. Uh, I will mention, as a fan of The Flash, it was very exciting to see that iteration of Professor Zoom back there because what what Jeff Johns is doing here for Sinestro, who became kind of a joke of a villain and building him up to be the uber bad that he should be for Green Lantern, that's what he did for Zoom for Wally West as well over the Flash title, where it doesn't play out exactly the same way here, but certainly like being a huge fan of that, it reminded me that guy is unstoppable. Like he is the level of Sinestro for uh, Hal Jordan. He's the level of the Joker for Batman. That's what Jeff Johns did for him. And again, like I think that's a way of him being like, oh, I did the Flash. Now I'm moving into Green Lantern. This is my thing here. Let me take this thing and kind of establish this as this is the next big threat that I'm building up for the DC universe. Cool. If you say so. So then uh, you've got rings flying over the, all over the place and nobody can believe it. Oh my God, there's rings and they're flying places. Oh, crazy. Then you cut to people who don't have legs who are just floating in the air talking uh, which is awesome. They're wearing the robes, one. Pete. I don't know what your problem with the Guardians is. They're wearing robes. Yeah, big-headed people you with no legs. You love short people. You want Wolverine to be three feet tall. What is These are very short the people. They're so short, yeah, their clothes are too long. Five yeah. two, motherfucker. Don't be an asshole. And then, uh, and then there's a decapitated, noseless person with a super uh, with an ass on his chest. I guess it was an evil Superman. Uh, and so like they're talking about him and how bad he is. Cool. Yep. Let's just circle talk for a long ass time. Uh, that this guy has, as far as I'm concerned, nothing to do with the flying rings or anything that's happened. Then we get, uh, in the middle I, of the we sun. We complain about every page. Yeah, just don't go through every page and complain. We do, we, we sat here and listened to your frankly insane pick of a comic. <laughs> and then you've done nothing but shit on our pick speed. Come on. Also, the Guardians are approximately four feet tall. I just wanted to mention that. I looked it up. <laughs> cool. Great. Buy pants. Um, <laughs> you've been around long enough. You can figure out how pants work. They're um, robe guys. They're robe people. Pete, you've been home robe. for two weeks and you're barely wearing clothes. What are you talking about? Yeah. Uh, yeah so... You're going to be wearing a robe next time we do this. And so just keep that in mind. And I'll tell you I what, just, it's going to be open. At least the Guardians robes are closed. Like it. That's fine. You don't have to like this book. That's all right. You don't have to destroy it, Sinestro. <laughs> hey, listen. You're asking me what I think of this book. And I'm telling you what I think of it, all right? Um, and it's nothing. I don't Justin, you didn't write it, right? So what the fuck are you getting all worked up about? I'm just saying you're literally dedicating so much time to go page by page and take uh, it down. Was there anything you liked about the book, Pete? What, what was uh, something well, that you... I would, I'd like to be able to finish. So then the move is 
he turns into shoulder pads guy, and now we're like, oh shit, he's got shoulder pads now. Did you write this down? Is that why you need to finish? No, I wanted okay. to kind of finish my thought in case who'd somebody... You pr- who'd you promise this roast to? <laughs> Nobody. Um... I, yeah, man. I yeah. I don't. I don't like Green Lantern. This didn't make me like Green Lantern. Uh, I get the Sinestro as a villain. That makes sense because he used to do this, and then he's like, "No, this is whack. I want to try to do something new." Cool. I get that. That's a great kind of like. Thing. Is this going to turn you into an evil podcaster, Pete? This episode of the Stack. Oh my god. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's it's fun. It's a good comic. No, I'm honestly <laughs> asking. You seem very mad. Are you going to? Uh... Yeah, I'm mad because like someone's like, oh, I love this comic. And I'm literally like, why? There are just rings flying through people's faces. And then like yellow, I guess, is stronger than green. Cool. I I just I, it's so much going on. I can't I can't follow it. And it's it's hard to hold this up and be like, hey, this is great. Just imagine that it was the Punisher that shot all those rings from a right. far distant planet. And they're little and you're, bullets. I don't, I don't remember what your colorblindness is, but just imagine that the green... Is that actually the issue? Is the issue that you can't see which are the green rings and which are the yellow oh, rings? Oh, shit. That's true. It's it's uh, reds and browns. Dickhead, reds and browns. You. Okay. So you're going to have a problem when we get into the anger core. Yeah. Or whatever they're called. Uh, I did like John Stewart showing up. And that was fun. He sniped somebody out. That was that was good. I loved it when he hosted the Daily Show. <laughs> yeah, he was great on the Daily Show. Um, All right, everybody. Yeah, a, lot of, a lot of rings flying around, and uh, then the reveal that I didn't get. But um, I do think Jeff Johns is an amazing writer, and the art <laughs> is fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, great. Wow, that was rough. Uh, thanks, Pete. <laughs> thanks, Justin. You uh, love you love Jeff Johns and the artist. Yep, Dave Gibbons. The splash pages were amazing. Like so the fact that he can draw a a sun. I guess it was a sun with the side cells around it, but make everything clear than what's going on. Incredible you talking about the incredible. green cardboard box that's just got a slit for the eyes? Yeah, the side cells. Yeah. I wouldn't yeah. call it cardboard. Yeah, no. it looked they're like probably made box. out of willpower. I'd bet. Or sure. something yeah. like that. Well, so anyway, is, that's... I will say, Alex, so is cardboard. Oh, okay. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. That is our throwback stack and our reviews for the week. Now, as mentioned, going forward, we are going to do more throwback stacks unless until comic books come back. Starting with next week, very much requested, but never before done, Squadron Supreme, the original run. This has been asked for a bunch of times. We are going to review the whole first volume of that on next week's stack, unless new comic come out, but even then, I think we'll probably do it as a throwback stack. So if you want to read ahead, definitely read that volume. A couple of other things to mention. We are doing our show live to the internet every Tuesday at 7 p.m., both on Crowdcast and YouTube, or of course, you can catch it as a podcast later, but do come on by. They've been a lot of fun to do to connect with everybody, ask questions and answer them live, give away prizes, etc. Been a very, very good time. Uh, iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe to the show and listen patreon.com slash comic book club to support all of the shows that we do comic book club live.com for this podcast and more and hey stack out <laughs> <laughs>